0: Well, welcome into another rival insider edition. This is week two of this little little thing that Mitch Harper and I decided to do. I'm Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Utes insider, and of course, the guy on the opposite side of the rivalry is is Mitch. Uh, you know how, how are things going, Mitch?
1: Going great, Michelle. Uh, week one of college football was entertaining, and uh, week two I think is going to be uh, even more eventful. So I think that. Uh, it will be a lot to unpack today. We'll talk some college football playoff as well uh, and some of the games that are coming up on the Week 2 slate. So how about for you? What, how was Florida?
0: A amazing trip. I mean, the only thing that would have been better is a W, but at least it was a good game. It was a good showing. Uh, I think Utah walked away and impressed a lot of people, but I think Florida also impressed some people, which is not a terrible thing to have happen in Week 1. So,
1: Do you think, though, it was a missed opportunity for Utah? Because, you know, they were so highly rated, number seven. Because, I mean, Scott Mitchell on Unrivaled yesterday, he was teeing off on, yeah. <laughs> on Utah Utah missed the opportunity.
0: Yeah. I. You, for me, it's a little bit more of a wait-and-see situation. Like, I mean, a win would have been better. Like, the, the, I can't cut and dry it any more than that. Like, a win would have been better. Uh, if you can't win, a close loss is good as long as you take the things that you learn from that game and actually get better. So, you know what, when USC rolls around, if we're still seeing, you know, bad tackling and, and some of that kind of stuff, uh, not, not being consistent in the red zone like we saw in that game, then I think there's reason to be a little bit upset and concerned and wondering what the heck's going on. Uh, you know, a a first game and especially a first game in that kind of environment against that kind of team, I kind of expect some things to go wrong and I expect it to not necessarily bounce their way. But as long as you played hard the entire 60 minutes and you had a chance to win it, I'm good with that for now. We'll we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was probably the most entertaining game in in week one of the college football slate. Uh, uh, I, I just think that, You know, with with that game, it seems like because I I really thought that Utah would handle Florida. I just thought that you know Anthony Richardson. There was a lot of hype about him. Dan Mullen kind of mismanaged him. It seems like, Uh, but I really thought that Utah was going to smack Florida around and and uh, a little bit surprised. I'm not going to lie to see uh, that outcome ending up be that way for uh, for Utah. I think that for BYU, I was also surprised by that outcome too because I thought you know maybe USF with the element of surprise. That is much ado about nothing. So the secrecy that USF played and all of that memo to coaches, <laughs> it doesn't pay off that much. You can have a little bit more openness, and, hey, it's still probably going to end up being the same result. BYU crushed USF 50-21, to 21 and uh, mm-hmm. down in Florida, that weather delay was uh, pretty mm-hmm. epic, uh, two and a half hours. I, I saw... Oh. I saw the uh, uh, they, USF had a team DJ, and I think I also saw B.J. Daniels, uh, the former USF quarterback. He was, like, lining that uh, DJ up. It was a, it was a fun event uh, for BYU. They uh, pretty much laid it on USF, who's a bad football team. I mean, I, I would be surprised if USF ends up winning two football games. I thought they had better athleticism than their outpouring would show. But uh, nonetheless, BYU handled the Bulls, and uh, away they go.
0: Uh, I mean, it was an exciting week one. Uh, week two is going to be even more exciting for BYU. It's going to be less exciting for Utah, uh, but it, but for Utah, it's a great time, I think, to take a step back, focus on some of those fundamentals, focus on some of those things that were exposed in that Florida game. Uh, and just make sure that you're working on it and getting it better so that you're better prepared the next go around. Uh, BYU is going to get tested this week. Uh, they're they're going to get their first big test. What what do you expect to see in this game?
1: Yeah, BYU, Baylor, uh, top 10 opponent comes to Provo. Baylor's number nine in the nation, BYU number 21. I think it's one of the, the best games, of the college football slate this weekend. Baylor, uh, is problematic for BYU because they run the football at a very high level. They're incredibly physical, and BYU's defense—you uh, know—they struggle. Ten, they tend to struggle to get off the field on third down. This is a team, Baylor, that Kalani Satake said BYU wants to model themselves after, and for good reason because I think that big in the Big 12, the new Big 12, Baylor is going to be one of the uh, flag. Ship teams of the new Big 12. I think they're going to be kind of one of the gold standard athletic departments of the new league. So uh, this is a nice barometer for BYU to try to you know get an early upper hand going into the new league next year. I think that Baylor poses a lot of challenges. I think BYU's got a pretty good clean bill of health on the defensive side, and that bodes, bodes well for the Cougars heading into that matchup because they need everyone available uh, Gabe Summers got a little bit nicked out the defensive lineman, but he should be good to go. And you know, I think that it'll be a great test because last year BYU lost by 14 points to these guys, and Kalani Satake straight up called out the physicality, which is not typical of Kalani. He usually will take the you know, the brunt of things on a loss or something that goes sideways. He'll say, "Yeah, it was, it was me. I uh, I got a." It was my bad. Uh, I'll take ownership of that. But it, that last year against Baylor, it was, it was. Uh, you know, he, he said he called out the physicality. And that's been a theme this week. So uh, BYU-Baylor should be a really, really good football game this Saturday night.
0: Yeah, no, I'm actually excited that I might get to watch that in a couple of other Pac-12 games. Of course, Utah's game is early. Again, there's not a ton of interest in it. Uh, in fact, so much so that... Andrea Urban and I were kind of laughing yesterday at practice that nobody's even bothered asking Utah's coaching staff about SUU. It's still been Florida stuff. So, uh, you, you know, for Utah's end of it, the I would say the most interesting storyline is, of course, uh, this is their Hall of Fame game. Uh, they, are, they are inducting their Crimson Club Hall of Fame members this game, uh, and that's being headlined by Eric Weddle and Chris Kiamatu. I, I hope I said that at least reasonably right. To- yes. Okay. No, it wasn't bad. It wasn't too bad. Uh, so, and and again, it, I think the other interesting thing is, you know, do do they focus on? Do they really work on? And it, it's going to be hard to tell because Utah's just a better team than Southern Utah. But you got you got to practice with who you got. And so, you know, seeing if they clean some of those things up, are they more efficient in the red zone? Do they get those third down stops uh, and not allow, you know, the run game to absolutely wreck them on defense? Uh, that That's kind of what I'm looking for in this game is just, you know, cleaning, working on cleaning some of those things up. And of course, honoring some of the all-time great Utes. What a, what about on the BYU side? What are the storylines?
1: I think for BYU, the, the big thing is going to be, uh, you know, Will how many possessions will this offense get? Uh, because again, the defense needs to get off the field on third down. If, if there's a third and five, can you know BYU's defense get the stop? Because uh, if they give BYU's offense enough possessions, I think BYU's offense will put up points in this game. You know, Baylor lost their uh, star defensive back Jalen Petrie. Uh, uh, he he's uh, in the NFL draft now. He was a talented player, and he had like four three nine forty at the NFL Combine, an elite talent. He's gone, and he was kind of the heart of that defense. They, they lost a few guys on the defensive line, but they still bring back Apu Ika, a former East High defensive lineman who's a really good player, once committed to BYU as an eighth grader. Kalani Satake and Eliza Tuiaki uh, evaluated him back in the day with him, and Brandon Cahoe, who was once at Bama, and then uh, now he's at UCLA, I believe. But uh, Siaki is going to be named to keep an eye on. I just think that BYU's offense will put up points uh, but how many possessions do they get? That's kind of the big question for me. And I also think, too, uh, just maybe the uh, the impact of the crowd, too. It's, it's kind of a, you know, last year BYU played Arizona State when Arizona State was something. They were, you know, a top 25 team. There was a lot of hype about the Sun Devils maybe winning the Pac-12 South last year. And, you know, ASU rolled in, had 15 penalties, and probably about five of them were caused by BYU fans because how loud – It was, and it's pretty close to a sellout. I think it's going to be a darn near capacity crowd. should be a great environment. I'm curious to see what type of impact maybe that could have again because I think that, you know, I was talking with some of the defensive players yesterday at practice, and they said that it's not a myth. Like, it, it really amps them up in a big game when the crowd is lively like that. And, you know, Baylor's heard some loud crowds, but even they were a little bit surprised last year when they were all excited out in Waco thinking, "Okay, we got to got to sell out here at McLean Stadium. It's a homecoming game." And then they look around, they're going uh, about 40% of this crowd's in royal blue and these guys are pretty loud and and instantly when BYU's doing the BYU chance, Baylor's like, "Boo!" and I'm like, uh, "Here we go. It the the honeymoon's over with this whole conference love fest of uh, BYU and Baylor." But that's what that's what adds a, a nice layer to this too is that this is a Big 12 sneak peek. It's it's a uh, look at future life in the new Big 12 conference, and I think that is something that just adds a, a whole other layer to this. This is one of the biggest games in the independence era for BYU. I would say it's top five. This is a massive game because if you win this, BYU's you know, a guaranteed probably top 15 team, and they've got the table set for some big things this year.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, uh, this game is huge. And and to your point about home crowds, like if you if you have one or if you've played in front of one, you do. You absolutely know it matters. BYU has a great home crowd. Utah has a great home crowd. Florida has a really great home crowd, uh, and it is. It's a difference maker. It can be very very disruptive and very very distracting. So I definitely expect LaBelle Edwards Stadium to be rocking for this game. Yeah, it, uh, because it's, it's huge.
1: It really is, and, and Chris Whetstone uh, asked a question. You can chime in on, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We can see your questions and comments. Uh, Chris Whetstone, I'm late to the party. Has there been any news on Puka and Gunner? So last night at practice, uh, the players were walking off the field. I didn't see uh, Gunner. Uh, I don't. I, I can't remember if I saw Puka or not. I, I don't recall. I, I wasn't watching close. I had to get to the media availability, but I didn't see Gunner, uh, we'll get more of an update coming up tonight. We'll talk to the offensive coaches. Even Kalani noted Wednesday would probably be kind of the day we'd get a clear sense of where those players are. But yeah, you know, Puka was the guy that got uh, uh, left early after that huge first quarter that he had. He dealt with a, uh, a foot injury, ankle, whatever you what it was a lower leg injury. And then Gunnar Romney, uh, he said he's kind of a game by game situation. He told Jake and Ben on KSL Sports Zone uh, he's still kind of got to go week by week. He's running. He's able to. Participate in his own way, but team trainers, team doctors—they're all monitoring his situation. He just needs to simply be cleared by them. Uh, So it's kind of a game-by-game deal with him. Uh, We'll we'll get a better sense coming up of that uh, later today. I I did want to ask you this though, Michelle, with the Utah Southern Utah game, as every week here on Rival Insiders Noon, we're breaking down the the games of BYU and Utah, and also college football. Is there any? Because one thing with the FCS games, because I'm with you, I don't really care for them. I, I hate. When BYU has to play them, when and at least it's like a regional game, you know, like for Utah, where it's yeah. Southern Utah. We've actually heard of this team, you know. Sometimes when BYU trots out Wagner or Savannah State, I'm just like, what are we doing here? This is so pointless. Uh, is there one thing I do like about these FCS games? Is just kind of like the deep sleepers. It gives a chance for a guy that's just an obscure young guy to maybe make a name for himself. Is there anyone that maybe Ute fans or us? should like follow our uh, football freaks that uh, maybe could be a, a, a young guy that really could have a, you know, breakout game potentially in this one.
0: You know, what? I, I kind of think if Utah's going to try and release the receivers and get a feel for how that's going to work, this is a great game to do that. Uh, maybe see what you have in Sydney and Manasaur, maybe see what you have in Teo Johnson, you know, Test Devon Vele's limits. I mean, we kind of have an idea of what he can do or Solomon Enos. Like, like really put it to the test. You said that you wanted to do it. Do it. Uh, and so I think, you know, this is a game where you can do that and there's not going to be a lot of fear. I kind of understand the Florida game, why you maybe didn't let it rip, uh, you know, the way that I think fans wanted you to or were expecting you to uh, go with kind of what you know. But this is a great game to get a fill. For for that, so I I would maybe kind of watch the wide receivers.
1: Yeah, I I, I always just kind of find that element uh, interesting with with these FCS games because it does have a nice proving ground. Because I feel like Utah is it, it's unlike a, a Washington State who seems to always drop some random FCS game. It feels like Utah BYU they're kind of like FCS proof teams. Like I'm not breaking any sweat. There's like last week mm-hmm. Iowa played South Dakota State to a seven to three tilt and there was no touchdowns. Oh crazy like, like that's that's just not gonna happen with with utah like they, they play an fcs team like maybe there's some first quarter struggle i think there was a couple years back some fcs team got a what scoop and score i think it was weber state a few years back but outside yeah. of that utah always takes care of business they'll kick off what eleven thirty on pac-12 yes. network and uh you'll mm-hmm. be there uh byu baylor's eight fifteen. i i also was curious too with the um uh, uh, the college football playoff announced their twelve game playoff. How, how crazy is that? We we're out in Florida and it's like yeah. you know preparing for these big games. It's like Friday on a holiday weekend. This groundbreaking news, news happens, and it's like <laughs> I was just kind of curious too. Like, what do you think of the twelve team playoff? Because I feel like this has implications on realignment as well. That's why I ask it.
0: Yeah, no, I think. Uh, I Jake was asking me about this on Saturday before the game. You know what? What do you think about this? I I think it's kind of an attempt to maybe stop some of the realignment uh, to keep keep original conferences together. And to be perfectly honest, in my opinion, this is what the playoff should have been in the first place. I don't I don't know why we thought four teams was like going to be a great idea. Like you at least have to have every p5 conference represented and then an open spot for an at-large whether it's another like the runner-up in a p5 conference or whether it's a g5 that does particularly well like a cincinnati the other year or an independent like byu or notre dame that does really well i just don't get like how how do you honestly judge who's the best in the country when you don't have representation from everywhere kind of competing for that uh, so I'm, I'm glad that they're doing this. I, I think we're going to get a better gauge. People have complained, well, some of the games are going to be boring. Well, some of the games are already boring with the four, the four team set up. At least now you maybe have a little more of an opportunity for an upset or two. And as other people have pointed out as well, isn't that why we watch March Madness? Like there are a lot of snoozer games through that, but there are some of those Cinderella stories and, and upsets and crazy games Open it up so that you maybe get a little taste of that in college football. That's what makes it so fun—is the upsets. So I love this. Yeah,
1: I, I love I'm so hyped for it too. I think this is this is going to be an awesome uh, thing for college football. I think it's the the biggest thing uh, the sport has ever had. I mean, because honestly, now everyone can say going into a year they might have a chance to mm-hmm. maybe play for a national title. I mean, BYU goes into this year. And really, there's no chance they're going to play for a national title. There's just not. I mean, maybe if they went undefeated this year, maybe. But then the playoff committee could say, well, you've played uh, only five Power 5 teams. This team with one loss from a Power 5 league, they've played 11 Power 5 teams. We're going to put them in. Like, there's just no path for BYU. Yeah. And a lot of teams, like group of five... And many in, in the even the Power 5 ranks, they feel like there's a long shot of getting to the playoff. And you think about, too, this past weekend, if there's a 12-team playoff, I don't think anyone is breaking a sweat if Utah lost to Florida because like yeah. you still have everything in front of you. Now it's like you got to win the rest of the way out to get in the playoff because no 2 lost team ever gets into the thing. And also, too, the element of having a home game in the first round. I mean, I think about with our jobs and in the state of Utah in sports – It would be the biggest event in the history of the state of Utah, maybe next to the Utah Jazz playing the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Finals. Like having, you know, Utah play, you know, I don't know, Florida in the college football playoff at Rice Eccles would be massive. Same with BYU. I mean, it's just the, the playoff will be incredible, and I think it'll also ease realignment. I think it'll also settle the coaching carousel, too, because so many coaches are getting fired in October and November because coaches or schools want to avoid having these coaches win enough games to get bowl eligible. I think it settles that down a bit because there's actually a hunt throughout the entire season, and I hope that now they move the recruiting signing day back to just February because then you'll have a clean slate in December to focus on the playoff, the chase for the national title, It'll be amazing. Yeah, maybe the secondary bowls will become even more obsolete. That's okay. But uh, I think yeah. that having a 12-team playoff is just going to be uh, absolutely incredible uh, for this sport. And hopefully, it can come into play in 2024 and not 2026. But at least 2026, we're going to get a 12-team playoff. It's truly incredible.
0: Yeah. No, I'm I'm thrilled about it. This again. This is how this should have been from the get-go when they decided to have a football playoff. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it really, it really should have been. I mean, the, the four-team playoff's been the worst thing for college football. It has. I mean, if the four-team playoff has caused realignment, Ed, it's caused all these issues. It's caused all this uneasiness. They, they'd they be better served, honestly, to have either gone back to the BCS, the 2 teams set up, or they had to go to 12. It was either or, and, yeah, you're going to go to 12 because now you're going to make maybe, what, $1.5 billion per year, and then you distribute that. I mean, the, the big key now will be what does the Pac-12 get? What does the Big 12 get? from a revenue perspective, because, again, if you're Utah and you're Arizona, the border schools, there's no need now to jump to the Big 12 because you're probably – it's it's even. It, you all have access, and you'd rather be in a 10-team conference than be in a 12-team or 16-team league because you got better access. I think, honestly, the Pac-12 might not expand now because of this move. Like, why add San Diego State, another team, that's going to be another mouth to feed, have a 10-team league, go round robin, and that's your, you know, your path to the playoff. I, I think it's it's a massive move in, in college football. It has so many dominoes that are still yet to play out. It's it's going to be fascinating.
0: Yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm very excited about this development. Long time coming. Should have happened forever ago. Uh, you know, the other interesting thing that happened the other day, uh, a little unusual. We don't normally get these rankings out on on a Tuesday. Uh, but the latest AP rankings came out. BYU moved up a couple of spots to 21 from 25. Utah of course dropped, I believe, six spots from seven to 13. Yeah, that's the right math. <laughs> Not the best at math. Uh, do you feel like that movement was fair for both sides?
1: Yeah, I, I thought that. I thought it was going to be interesting to see where Florida ended up. Uh... Over Utah, I think that was right that Florida was above Utah because I just think that with how the polls are structured uh, every I wish pollsters would have the mindset of tear down the poll every week and not base it off of where you had them the previous week. Just have a complete blank slate every single week and then look at the data that 's in front of you after one week and then make your decisions based on what you 've seen to that point of the season. So I thought it was right that Florida was ahead of Utah. I thought BYU uh, I, I'm, I'm stunned that there's pollsters that aren't ranking BYU uh, because BYU Ooh, yeah. is one of the more underrated teams. I think in college football this year, they, they played a bad USF team, I'm not saying they should have jumped up significantly there, but uh, I, I think that BYU probably should have been at least, you know, 18, 19, but it, it is what it is. I mean, they're, it's going to play itself out. They got Baylor this week. So, uh, but still for, for, uh, about eleven pollsters to not have BYU ranked—that's uh, a bit laziness to me. And I think that these some of these pollsters need to be reevaluated with the way they view college football because they're not doing their homework, plain and simple. But uh, but otherwise, I thought that uh, it was it was fine. I thought Utah's fi- spot was fine too. I mean, I, I just think that uh, uh, for the most part, it's 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 all pretty much it'll play itself out.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little hard this time of year. It's a lot of guessing and and trying to find the right spot with very little data to work with. Uh, I'm fine with where Utah's at, and, and I'm fine with Florida being ahead of them. They won the game. Uh, it was a good game. It was a close game. They both played each other very well, and it was competitive. But yes, Florida was the one that came out on top of that. Uh, I feel like you know Utah's still in a position to go ahead and do some of the things that they want to do, continue being in that college football playoff. Obviously, they have to clean some stuff <laughs> like uh, there's no two ways about it. they can't they can't be that soft in the run. Uh, they can't they can't leave points on the field. Uh, so some of that needs to be worked on. again, it's week one. people make mistakes. very few teams look perfect right out the gate. Uh, I'm not concerned about it if if you talk figure out how to turn around after last season and some of the drama they went through there, I don't think there's any reason why they can't this year because it's been a little more low-key, not not quite so crazy. And then, of course, you know, BYU did what you expect BYU to do against a team like USF. And so, yes, they, they absolutely deserved to be rewarded with that, jumping up a couple of spots. Uh, I did not realize that a couple of people still were not ranking them. That's wild to me. <laughs> uh, come on, guys. Uh, But I guess at the same time, also not surprising to me because you talk to a lot of East Coast writers and they're absolutely oblivious that anybody plays football out West, uh, which is kind of how you get like a Christian McCaffrey not getting the Heisman when he was clearly the most the best, most impactful player for their team uh, that particular season. Uh, And I know I know for a fact people came out and said, well, I voted for the other ones because I've actually watched them play. I haven't seen a snap of what Christian McCaffrey's done. So, you know, I, I think, yes, you're right. We need to reevaluate who gets to vote on some of this stuff. If you're not going to do the homework and believe me, it's easy to do. Like any more, there's highlights everywhere. So you can at least get a general idea of what's going on. Even if you don't want to stay up, do your homework. <laughs> like if you're going to vote on stuff, do your homework. Like, this lazy stuff got has got to stop because it has created a kind of horrible narrative actually for teams out West and unfair. I think it's unfair.
1: I agree. I, I just think that, uh, you know, and I think that that's why I think it was fine that Utah was at, at number 13. Cause like, you know what? It reward the fact that they're willing to go out to the swamp, still play there. Utah's still going to be a good football team. I think they're still going to win 10 football games, at least this year. Uh, you know? So I think that, Uh, There's a little bit of projection based. I think that's okay for pollsters to do that. But uh, uh, just got to look at the data in front of you uh, to this point and kind of size up the landscape. And, and yeah, it it, it was surprising to see, uh, you know, some pollsters. But, uh, you know, AP Top 25, uh, it will uh, always have – people are going to have their perceptions, and that's fine. And, and hey, I could be missing something too, some team that maybe I feel should be – uh, or maybe should be in the top 25 that I'm overlooking. But at the same time, BYU's got just they're one of the most experienced teams in college football, top five. They put up 50 points. They've got explosive offense. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a good quarterback, really good QB. I mean, a defense, yes, yeah, suspect at times. Uh, but uh, they'll have a chance to prove it this week. So uh, they, they'll, they'll be in everyone's polls if they win this week against Baylor. And if they bow out and, and lose, then uh, they validate those uh, 11 or so pollsters who aren't ranking them. So... Well, it'll all play itself out this uh, this coming week.
0: Yeah, it's going to be exciting for sure. Well, we got we've got some matchups that we need to go over this week in, in our pick'em. I would like to proudly say that
1: I am winning so far. You are, yay me, <laughs> <Eight laughs> too. I don't know why I picked Colorado last week. By the way, what was that? Why did I do that? That was dumb. Anyway, yeah,
0: don't don't inflict that pain upon yourself. Never <sighs> trust the bucks.
1: Yeah. That was just dumb. That was so silly doing that. Anyway, yeah, you're 8-2 last week. I went 6-4 and on my picks, so uh, let's see how we fare this week. This this week,
0: okay. So, coming up, we have Alabama at Texas. What do you think?
1: Uh, this big one, uh, I think the Crimson Tide roll, but I do think Texas is going to put up some points. Uh, you know, Quinn, yours, I'm really excited to see him, that freshman QB, but – the Crimson Tide. They're, they're just continuing to roll. This is this Alabama team is better than 2020, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't see anyone beating them. You know what I will say, too, that in college football this year, I only think, uh, coming out of week one, knee-jerk reaction, I think there's only two dominant teams. Uh, you know, Alabama and Georgia, and then everyone else, mm-hmm. I think you can make a case there's a lot of good football teams that on any given Saturday could, could win or lose, or anything could happen. So, Alabama is going to be outstanding. They're going to win this game, but I think Texas will will show some fight, and I think they'll they'll show well. I think uh, well enough, better than uh, you know. If they keep it within you know less than seventeen points, I I I would uh, call that a win for Sark and the crew. What about you?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I I think Alabama is just ahead above Texas. I think Texas can maybe. Give them a bit of a fight, especially earlier in the game. But I I think Alabama's going to get rolling, and I just don't see that one falling in the
1: Longhorns' favor.
0: Uh, Up next, Appalachian State at Texas A&M.
1: Going to go Texas A&M, but, man, App State put up 61 points last week in a loss. They got explosive offense. Could be a little bit dicey for Jimbo's squad, but uh, I'll go gig them.
0: Yeah, again agreed. I I have Texas A&M in this. I know that App, App State is like the upset kids. They they tend to get someone every year. I think this is just a little bit too big for them. Uh so I I, I don't know how well will it, they will ultimately do against against Texas A&M, but I I yeah, it's it's A&M all the way. Uh, Moving along, we got Washington State at Wisconsin.
1: This is interesting uh, because Washington State's offense, uh, you know, Jake Dicker, they got the quarterback transfer from Incarnate Word. Uh, Gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name all of a sudden. I had it down in my. Ward. Yeah. Who's the quarterback's name from Washington State, the transfer? He was at I I remember his last name
0: was Ward. I can't think of
1: Ward. Yeah. Anyway, he's. This could be interesting. I mean, Wisconsin, you just think kind of. Stark different offenses. Uh, I think Jake Dickert's going to be a really good fit at Washington state. You just wonder what's the future look like for them and realignment. Maybe that simmers down with the playoff, but, uh, uh, I'll say Wisconsin, but this could be closer because I'm, I'm kind of high on, on the prospects of Washington state being a low key sleeper in the PAC 12 this year. See, and I, I just
0: think Washington state's going to get bullied by Wisconsin. Uh, I I just, I don't know that they're quite there yet. They might sneak on someone in the Pac-12. I don't doubt that because I feel like they do that every year. They always seem to get someone. I don't know that they're going to get Wisconsin. So uh, let's see. Okay. Now this one I think is interesting. This has a lot of implications here. Kentucky at Florida.
1: Yeah. uh, Kentucky. I th- I'm going to go with the, the Wildcats here. Will Levis at quarterback. Ooh. I think Kentucky. They don't typically ever beat Florida. They've had a little bit more success recently. They had that long stretch of losing, but uh, I'm going to say Florida comes back to earth. Has a little bit of a uh, you know a lull. They they uh, second game. There's now intel on Billy Napier's team for for Stoops and, and Kentucky's become a, a nice football property in, in the SEC with Stoops. I'm going to go Kentucky. Here goes into the swamp and gets the win. What say you?
0: You know what? I think I'm going to go Florida on this one. Uh, I think Florida was better than anyone expected. And, and grant the questions were fair, right? It wasn't ever. Does Florida have talent? Of course, Florida has talent. It was how quickly will they come together? Uh, and obviously, you know, Napier has come out and said that they were lucky to win that game against Utah, and I agree. Uh, and it was going to be that way for whoever won, like, to be honest, because there were enough mistakes made by both teams that that kept the other team in, but there were also enough plays made by each team that kept them in. Uh, it just, just again, it was a really, really good game. I know that Florida, it does not sit well with them going to Kentucky last year and losing <laughs> Uh, And so I kind of think there's going to be some revenge. I think that win over Utah really gave them some confidence and some swagger. Uh, And again, playing at home, like I've never seen anything like that. That absolutely was insane. That was crazy. Uh, And not so much the loudness per se. Like, I mean, I've been to some loud games. That was probably one of the loudest I've been to. It was the choreographed like gator chomp that I was just like, I've, I've never seen, you know, 90,000 people in unison do the same thing. And it is, it's incredibly intimidating. Uh, so I like Florida in this one. I, I think, I think they have a little bit of confidence and swagger. And I, and I think a little bit of that revenge factor and we'll see how it goes. You uh, see it or excuse me. No, I skipped ahead. Hold on. Before we get to that one, Arizona State at Oklahoma State.
1: I will not make the mistake again of picking Pac-12 over Big 12, as uh, Tyson Michael Ammon-Hatch writes. He says, picking a Pac-12 team over a Big 12 team is a surefire way to lose. Okay, Tyson, I'll take your advice, and I will say Oklahoma State. Even Mike Gundy this week said the Big 12 has an upper hand on the Pac-12, took a little bit of a shot at the Pac-12, so I think Oklahoma State, they're back to their true form of being an offensive uh, team last year with Jim Knowles, the D.C. They were more of a a defensive team. You saw how Jim Knowles had an impact on Ohio State's defense this past week in an elite D.C., but they got Derek Mason still. Oklahoma State wins this one because, again, Arizona State, they are just a mess of a team, so I'm going to say Pokes.
0: Yep, I I agree. I just ASU keeps saying the right things, but you just know that on the inside there, there's just issues. There's problems there. Uh, and rightfully so. There's just there's just a cloud hanging over them. Uh, and it's hard to deal with. And all the transfers in and out. And uh, yeah, the, I just know Oklahoma State is definitely a better team. Okie State. Okay, now. Now we will move on to. This one is another, I think, potentially interesting one. USC at Stanford.
1: USC, big. Stanford, honestly, how David Shaw still coaching there is beyond me after what I saw last year uh, on the farm. I mean, that Utah game with Stanford, it's like, does Stanford have a pulse? Are they alive? It's like, poke the <laughs> stick at Stanford. like how I mean, they're just terrible. Uh, you know, Stanford offense, I don't trust it. It's USC's offense, 66 against Rice. I know it's Rice, but uh, their defense looked pretty good, too. USC, I'm high on the Trojans. I said going into the year, they're going to win 11 games. So, yeah, fight on.
0: I agree. I'm going USC, but I think this game might be a little more interesting than people are anticipating. It is a rivalry game. These two don't like each other. Uh, And Stanford has had a bit of luck in ruining USC seasons on occasion, even when they have not been particularly great. Uh, I don't know that that happens this time, but I – it I I wouldn't be like oh wow that really surprised me no it would not surprise me uh, but I do I think I do think USC has the upper hand in this and I also agree with you about Coach Shaw I've heard some stories. <laughs> uh, okay, Oregon State at Fresno
1: State. This is a good one. Oregon State put a beat down on Boise. I, I did not see that coming. I mean. You know, Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, they're, they're solid. They're good. Uh, they might be another spoiler potentially in the North this year that uh, we've all just maybe been sleeping on. Fresno State's got a good QB play with uh, with Hayner. You know, I, I'm going to go Oregon State, but I don't feel good about this one. This one could be a, a really good football game. What, what are you going to th- go with?
0: Yeah, I, I- – like this matchup, I think it has the potential to be really entertaining. Uh, Oregon State and Utah State was quite entertaining uh, in that bowl game. Uh, and, of course, as you mentioned last week, Oregon State put a beating on. Boise State, I'm going to back the pack on this. I'm really high on Jonathan Smith as well. And the Beavers, I think that's kind of a tough place to to get a turnaround and, and get people there that can win games and really believe that they can be the little guy that can. And so I, I like that vibe that they have under Jonathan Smith. I think he's done a fantastic job. Uh, so go Beavs, go Beavs in that one. Okay. Final pick Mississippi state at Arizona.
1: I'll let you go first on this one. Cause I'm, I'm I might just go opposite of what you say. Try You're going to, to try to shake go opposite it up of
0: what I say. Okay. So here's the thing. I I actually like Arizona. I think Arizona is a good team, and I think they're a bit underrated in the Pac-12. I think, like Oregon State, they have the potential to really upset and ruin some people's seasons. Uh, with that being said, I think Mississippi State is too good. I, I don't. I don't think they're sneaking up on Mississippi State.
1: Yeah, I, no, I, you know, you, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad you went. This worked out that way because I was leaning to Arizona, but I thought, you know what, uh, I'm going to wait to see because we want We've had a lot of similarity in these picks, so I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go Arizona with the upset here. So uh, I'm going to pick a Pac-12 team at home against an SEC squad. The last time Mississippi State came out west uh, was 2016. It was a late night game against BYU. They lost that game. Uh, Arizona had a top 25 recruiting class and I thought last week winning on the road at San Diego State uh, that was a nice win and it was in, in San Diego State's debut uh, of their new stadium Snapdragon and the the heat did not affect Arizona clearly because they're used to that so mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Wildcats to you know get off to a two and0 start and maybe get some momentum going in that jedfish era down in the desert so I'll go with the wildcats in that one.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, there you have it, guys. Those are our picks. This is what we thought about the week that was in football and what we think will be in the week that will (laughs) coming up on Saturday. Uh, This has been another edition of Rival Insiders. Make sure to catch us next Tuesday. We'll be back on Tuesday next week uh, to wrap up what happened this week on Saturday and, of course, what we think will happen the following Saturday.